Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Yo, we're, we are podcasting on the COVID-19 crisis and how it's going to affect the lighting business. And we couldn't wait to talk to Anthony Corey. Uh, Metamet Strategies in Light, a very knowledgeable guy, great leader. Um, he is the CEO of Fulham Co. And he also happens to be the handsomest man in the lighting industry, Greg Eric. Yeah, maybe most suave, handsome, whatever you want to call him. You'll see. Watch that, video. that British accent, man. You can't yeah. do that. You can't come to America looking like that and talking like that, Anthony. No, but in all seriousness, folks, what a conversation. It, you know, I mean, uh, just, you know, he started off real early managing this thing just simply because of his supply chain is so integrated in China. What a great way to start off our daily COVID. Well, not daily, but almost daily COVID-19 series that we're going to be doing. So I'm going to let you guys get right to it. Oh, National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, always coming at you. These ones are brought to you by that. For right now, we got Anthony Corey on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Anthony, Anthony Corey. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I've had a crazy day today. Not only is uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, raging outside, but every single piece of audio, video equipment, and software has failed today. So there's obviously very important that we do this interview because something's trying to stop me from doing it. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. <laughs> you know what? I, for me, uh, good things are always preceded, preceded by all kinds of crazy problems like this. So this is a very good sign. You can ask Greg, when we started off the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, we had all manner of crazy, hokey things that would happen. So... How is Fulham holding up in this crisis, Anthony? I've seen your letters and we've seen, you know, the California state come out with the state of emergency and lock everything down. You guys shut down or something and then reemerge to say that you're now shipping again. What's the situation? Uh, volatile. <laughs> it's probably the best word. And then changing by the hour. Um, so in answer to your first question, we're, we're holding up good. We're holding up well. Um, you know, most importantly, we're a pretty sizable global organization with um, um, employees all over the world. And, you know, first things first, our employees are all healthy. Um, we, you know, we've been watching this situation since um, early in the year, given we've got a pretty substantial operation in China. Um, and then when everyone disappeared for Chinese New Year and came back, this whole thing unfolded. Um, so, you know, since then, I'm glad to say that the whole team are fine. The whole China team are fine. No one, no one's directly affected. No one's got coronavirus in the company yet. Touch wood. Um, and then, um, yeah. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's very difficult to try and run a business, um, and to manage a business, obviously under such, um, unpredictable circumstances. Um, and this, you know, I'm not unique this is every every ceo running every company across the world right now is having the same problems that i'm having and and asking the same questions and facing the same issues um so overall we're holding up okay um and it's it's different from region to region in terms of what measures and restrictions we have in place you know and i can describe those as we get into the into the podcast today so what, what? So when did it? When did the? Let me ask you this: When did it really hit you that COVID nineteen was a leadership issue for Anthony Corey at Fulham? Third um, of February. Okay, so you've been at this for a while. Yeah, 
Yeah, so um, Chinese Spring Festival and Chinese New Year obviously usually happens towards the end of January. Um, and, you know, for those unfamiliar with it, what, what generally happens is, um, you know, anyone who lives in a, a cosmopolitan or a metropolitan um, city tends to go to their home province for Chinese Spring Festival to be with their family, just like we would at Christmas or at Thanksgiving or at Hanukkah or whatever, uh, you know, you would celebrate uh, in, in other parts of the world. And, and there's there's mass transit across the, the country at that point in time. And people just flock from their, their workspace to go home and be with their family for a week. And then they come back. Um, and while uh, our team were, um, you know, away for Chinese New Year, um, everything started to unfold. We were reading uh, a lot of articles about this. Um, and there was mixed messaging coming from the, from the Chinese media, as usual. Um, but from our team... Thankfully, we were getting a bit more direct input. Um, and the team were due to come back to work. Um, we have two, two operations in China, one in Beijing and one in Shanghai. Um, both uh, pretty sizable operations with you know, you know, a lot of staff in both locations. Um, and we were due to get back to work on the 3rd of February, um, which didn't happen. There was a lot of travel restrictions that were put in place to try and contain at that point in time, the, the, you know, wasn't really the, the, the mass communication about COVID-19. Um, so a lot of people got stuck in their home provinces. Some made it back to Shanghai and Beijing. Some live in Shanghai and Beijing. Um, but at that point in time, <clears throat> um, the, the return to work date was pushed from the um, 3rd of February to the 10th of, 10th of February, and then another week to the, to the um, 17th of February. Um, so you know, we're, we're familiar with running through Chinese New Year, but the fact that it was pushed back a week and then another subsequent week um, was, was what really resonated with me that this, this is a problem. We do have a big issue. Um, and then throughout that time, I'd put uh, kind of emergency conference calls in place with our team just firstly to talk about their, their welfare and understand what's going on. Um, and we had continued conversations throughout that two-week period where we're in this almost hibernation mode. Everyone was was at home. And then the, the government was starting to then put very extreme measures in. The Chinese government were putting very extreme measures in place to uh, contain everyone in place. Uh, we were finding out about um, what it was like to try and get about in China, which was almost impossible. Um, you had to get special permission to leave, to go to a supermarket or a grocery store. Um, a lot of, um, and then when you were leaving, you had to wear a mask, you had to have gloves on, you had to get your temperature testing done. Uh, on the inward part of going into a grocery store, they were allowing like five in, five out kind of strategy. Hmm. Um, and at that point in time, that's when I realized, well, this is a this is a big deal, and this isn't, you know, this is not just going to be a Chinese problem. You know, I, I fly in and out of China six, eight times a year. Um, this is going to be a, a global problem just because of global transit and global commerce. Before we know it, um, so. Well, let me ask you this before yeah. we get on, because that's a good place because I wanted to ask you. So you realized early on that this was going to be a major supply chain issue for you. This mm -hmm. was going to cause problems product on the product side. Just on the non-lighting question side, did you have any intimations early on that this thing might get out of hand outside of China? Um, just from personal experience. and, and Anecdotally. Anecdotally, yeah. like your gut said, what's going on here? Um, yeah, I knew it was going to spread um, just because of global commerce. And, and, and um, you know, unfortunately, certain nations were, were 
slower to react um, and slower to stop the, the, the travel in and out of China, um, you know, for economic reasons or for personal reasons or for whatever. So, yeah, I, I you know, I kind of I, I thought this was going to spread beyond China um, relatively rapidly. And so, and when you were, you were concerned about your staff, what, when did you decide to restart operations in China and when did it, you know, did, are you guys up to full speed at this point? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we, we, we took directive from, um, from, um, federal and, and local government. Um, so for example, in, in, in both Beijing and Shanghai, uh, they, they were, they have different, uh, mandates from the local government. Um, Shanghai was a little more strict than Beijing in terms of their return to work policies. Um, so <clears throat> Shanghai were first to, to come out with um, um, shelter in place for 14 days. And if you're coming back from your home province, so in, in a lot of circumstances, because travel was froze, uh, frozen in China, but by rail or, 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 or um, air, a lot of people were confined in their home uh, provinces until the 17th and beyond. <clears throat> so once they flew back to either Beijing or Shanghai, they then had to quarantine themselves for 14 days. And this was mandated by the, the, the initially by Shanghai first. Uh, and then it, it, um, maybe it's a, couple, a couple of weeks later, it came out from the Beijing government that said and it enforced the same thing. Just from a common sense perspective, let's uh, segregate anyone that's coming in from another area and make sure that they don't exhibit um, symptoms of COVID-19 uh, before we allow them into work. Um, so I, th I think, um, you know, that, that's kind of the, the history of how it came about and how we've really tried to manage the situation, which was really um, common sense by us and governmental, uh, local government led um, by, by the government in China, who did, a, a, in my opinion, a very good job of trying to contain um, the spread of the, of, the, of the disease as best they could under the conditions of, of their society. It's a different society to ours. It's, it's, it's a much more structured society. Uh, and when the government tells you to do something, you do it because there's extreme ramifications if you don't. Yeah, you don't have human rights the same way we do. In, in, and, 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 and freedom comes with a cost for sure. sure. Um, you know, and so that you're looking at these different, even if you look at, uh, if you look at different European societies, they can be more structured than Western European societies even. So it's not just Chinese. Um, so then you're, you're, you're settling down the situation in China and then along comes the situation into California. At what point did it go from being a Chinese problem to being an American problem for you? Um, in reality, about 10 days ago, um, I, I think in terms of our risk management mitigation and, and, and strategic planning as a, as a business to try and operate through something unprecedented like this, you, you know, thankfully, because we got such an early read on what was going on in China, we started to do um, a lot of simulation on what potentially may happen um, in the States, in Europe, in India, where we have another big operation um, and, and we were very much, uh, I think we lent into the issue rather than ignored it. So, um, when the, um, announcements were made last week, um, we weren't surprised. It was a little earlier than we anticipated, but we weren't surprised. Uh, but, but we weren't really ready legally to kind of deal with that. We had a lot of contingencies in place, um, 
to you know continue to manage the business under all different kinds of scenarios in terms of risk management, um, looking at kind of best case scenario through to, all the way through to the worst case scenario and everything in between. So we have those plans ready uh, to deploy and execute. Um, um, I think the one thing that caught us off guard was just our ability, whether we could or could not, um, you know, stay in some kind of operations. Um, and, and we did that in, uh, you know, it took us about 24, 36 hours to make that determination after a lot of legal guidance. But once we got that determination, we obviously, you know, executed on it. And that's the information that you saw that was a little confusing uh, that came out. You know, we were closed and then we're now actually, we're, we're somewhat operational. And I can describe that as we, as we talk further. So is all of your product located in California then, or do you guys have other warehouses around the country? Let's start. With um, yeah. So in terms of our um, warehousing locations for North America, or well, for the, for, for uh, the Americas, actually, um, the primary warehouse is in, in Hawthorne, our, our corporate headquarters, uh, just, just south of Los Angeles, um, yeah. five, five minutes from LAX. So we have a, a large warehousing facility there um, with a lot of finished goods. Uh, we also have another warehouse on the East Coast that serves the East Coast, but it's much uh, uh, less substantial in terms of its, its footprint and the, and the products that we have there. But we do have a good blend of both products in both locations. There's just a lot more product in California. Now, you, were, you had to uh, stop shipping as of March 20th, but now today, March 24th, you're able to ship again? Is that how it worked? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, and let me kind of describe how that came about as well, because it's a really relevant question. Um, so there's a, there's, a, there's a government body called CISA, C-I-S-A. I don't know what it stands for, but um, these guys manage uh, risk management for, um, for the United States. Um, and CISA have, have um, defined 16 critical industries um, that, that need to continue to operate, um, not can, need to, and that's important, um, during this kind of unprecedented circumstance. And there's a lot of, you know, there's nuclear power in there, there's energy, uh, there's healthcare, um, but there's a lot of other um, industries in there that we straddle and we serve as a business. And we actually sell into nine of those 16 industries. Um, and ostensibly that the main products that, that are, are um, deemed as essential and critical for Fulham are UV, for obvious reasons, UV kills germs, bacteria, and we sell into a lot of UV applications in water um, and air purification systems, some of them governmentally sponsored. Um, and, and the explosion in UV over the last week has been really interesting. It's for been ridiculous. Yeah, it's yeah. Been, we've seen it on our end as well. Just right. on the distributor side, right? All kinds of orders for weird CFLs and germicidal lamps. It's coming back for sure. Yeah, um, and we can talk about that later because the LED technology doesn't exist today that can can have the have the cleaning density of UV um, from a from a traditional fluorescent perspective. Um, refrigeration, refrigeration for um, for food and drugs. Um, you know, we serve uh, our, one of our largest customers is a major refrigeration customer. Uh, company manufactures those products. So it's critical that we keep uh, selling products into there. And then obviously our emergency lighting piece, um, you know, all kinds of emergency lighting. And, and these product families combined are, are way more than 50% of our revenue as a, as, a, as a business. So that's what led us from a legal perspective to make the determination to stay open and to keep shipping, again, under with, with, with new restrictions in place in terms of 
the welfare of our team and so on. But um, it, it took us a while to come to that determination. We had an emergency board meeting on Friday uh, and there was 100% board consensus that we should continue. We need to, we need to, doing this, uh, we need to continue doing this um, given you know, the information that we just found. Now, I know it would be a logistical nightmare, but did it cross your mind at all to move all of your stuff from California to your East Coast or somewhere where you could ship? <laughs> it wouldn't fit. It wouldn't fit. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, I figured. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, it crossed our mind to do that. You know, we thought about can we get it into a 3PL that's elsewhere, but I think what we're experiencing in California ultimately will cascade throughout the rest of the country pretty quickly. So I think... Um, you know, there are different state-to-state -state restrictions going on and, and let, let's hope that we can contain this thing before that happens. But I do think there'll be, you know, some kind of mandated um, um, policy that will be in place for every single state in, in the United States and, and likely in Canada before we know it. Well, I mean, in terms of, of that, I mean, as business owners, you know, I, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter about, uh, you know, like a kind of the call out culture, the defiance culture, the opposite sides culture. People, on one hand, people are throwing parties, COVID parties. On the other hand, you see people screaming at leaders saying they're not enough. As a business owner, I look to the leaders. I look to the people in charge who are given the directions to, for me to help me make my decisions as a business owner. Um, which, um, when you're doing or you're talking with your lawyers in the legal department, which institution was it? The CISA institution that you got the information from that helped you make the decision, or which one was it? Yeah, it was them. So they, they gave the um, um, directive to industry of which business or which businesses can continue to operate. Obviously, getting someone from that particular department is very, very difficult. Um, so it's more of prescriptive data, um, and then our legal team analyzing that information to come to the determination that we can continue to, uh, to, to you know, to, to sell and to, and to ship and to, and to serve those particular markets. And what would happen if, um, if you, the, your legal team was wrong and, and you are not one of these critical? I mean, are you guys guessing at this point that you're critical? Because you, you didn't hear anybody tell you that you could. You're just it, doing it. it, it it's, there's, there's risk in, associated with this, but we've, we've took... Um, um, what we believe is a very, very calculated decision to continue to uh, um, to operate, given that you know it's considerably more than half of our revenue is represented by these product groups. So this isn't um, something that we uh, we just dreamt up, um, and we took very strong guidance on it um, before we make that made that decision. You know, and there are. Um, ramifications if 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 um you know if this was a fictitious thing that you were to do as a company um you know there's significant fines there's jail time you know it's it's there's uh, reputational it's, issues as well absolutely absolutely and most importantly sure. for most importantly for for, for for us mike it's you know how do we do this and maintain um the safety of our employees mm, that's the most sure. important bit for sure have you had a conversation with your cfo yet <laughs> and I hate to like, you know, I mean, those are like, you know, people that are open now, you're, you're charging hard, you know, but I called one of my vendors and he said, you know, we're not making any money. It's better off if we shut down, actually. That was his opinion, um, simply because the level of orders that that he was receiving and that, you know, he felt that he didn't have a contribution to make to 
um, you know, uh, anything emergency or essential wise. So he felt it was better to shut down and just close the whole thing down while, until the crisis was over. Um, is that, was that on, when you said you, you looked at every option from this to that, did the CFO step in and say, Hey guys, maybe it's better that we just shut down for three weeks. Did that come up in the meeting? We've spent the last 10 days modeling all different financial scenarios. So, um, the CFO practically lives in my inside my computer right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, and then I, I, I'm, my my response would be, well, define shutdown. Um, you know, shutdown could mean 100% furlough. Uh, it mm-hmm. could mean drastic terminations. There's there's all different elements of of, of managing um, and trying to preserve cash under a scenario like this that is, is unknown. We don't know how long this thing would go on. Um, so yes, we've absolutely had all of those discussions. We've modeled out many scenarios. Um, but as of now, we're, we're continuing in operations. Nice. Go ahead, Greg. Sorry. Yeah. Do you feel that you'll see any production delays or getting receiving product now? What are you looking at on lead times for items that you don't have in stock that you need to have uh, made? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Complicated answer, um, but I think it's important. So I I think the the most important thing to state is is that the China uh, manufacturing is 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 almost back to capacity. And I think this is this is just it's not just important from a business perspective. It's important for society to understand um, that that China have managed to get their arms around this thing that spread like wildfire, contain it, nip it in the bud. Um, and before you jumped on, Mike, I was just um, sharing with Greg, um, you know, we have daily conference calls updating where we are relative to new infections and so on in China. And all of the new infections in the last kind of four or five days have been from visitors coming from outside back to China. That's how wild this thing is. So China have their, their own local infections, at least what we're being told, they have their own local infections under control. Um and all of those new infections are, are really foreigners that are flying into China now um, that are being contained and, and isolated for 14 days. Um, <clears throat> so that's really, I, I think we can take stock from that as a, as a, as a global society to, to, to actually not panic too much that if we follow the guidelines that are, that are being rolled out now, that are wisely being rolled out, don't ignore them, follow them, do your part, otherwise you're part of the problem. Um, and if we all follow those guidelines, we can actually get our arms around this. Um, let me get back to your, your, your original question, Greg. So about uh, uh, in terms of supply chain, um, almost all of our suppliers are, are, are fully back to work now in terms of operational capacity and capability and staff in those locations throughout China. Um, one location in, in, in um, Shenzhen is struggling. Uh, they, they're at 60%. Uh, they'll be back to work maybe by late April, early May. <clears throat> but from an operational throughput and machinery and, and staff perspective, um, China's ready for business again. The, the tricky piece is the uh, component supply chains waking back up and coming back on stream. And, and you know, I spent 18 years in, in electronics prior to moving into digital lighting. And, and obviously those um, manufacturing locations are, are very binary in their, in their ability to turn back on. Um, they're either on and they're manufacturing in huge yields and huge volume or they're kind of off. Um, so what, what we found is as, as those supply chains start to wake back up and manufacturing starts again, um, there's pockets of, of distinct 
component shortage and allocation throughout the electronics industry and all of those key components that provide, um, you know, all the widgets that build our, build our products. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll give you one stat. You know, we, we've got, I don't want to say the number, but we've got a large amount of open backlog as a business, orders open on, on, our, um, on our suppliers right now. And we have um, less than 10% of that as confirmed with confirmed delivery dates. Wow. So we're managing it one, one week and one month at a time right now. You know, thankfully, we, we're um, a business that invests in inventory. Um, we've got a significant amount of it. Um, we have product in transit and on the water. Now that's slowed down obviously during this situation, but the ports are open again. Air freight is tricky, uh, but the ports are now moving product from, from, you know, manufacturing locations into, into North America where we're predominantly, um, most of our sales are, are being done and where most of our warehousing is done. Um, so that's starting to flow again. But, but what is unpredictable is the kind of two to three months out of the supply chain, we really don't have a good grip on um, what's confirmed and unconfirmed at this point in time. Um, the other thing yeah. to that, Anthony, is yeah. that is there going to be any demand? That's the other side. That's of another it. really good question. Uh, I think time will tell as, as um, you know, as we continue, <clears throat> a lot of companies will be closing down. Will demand slow down and will that free up? Uh, product availability because of that as it as it as it works it works its way up the supply chain really really good really good point mike the you know the other thing too is like so you know in a shrinking market you can grow by by players exiting the market right but there's a real reason that players will exit the market right so it takes guts man <laughs> and uh in a time like this are you pulling back from purchasing are you saying hold off? Or are you saying no? Give us our stuff. We're moving forward. We're being selective um, about which products we're more aggressive on, um, and we're being selective about which we shouldn't be so aggressive with. Um, you, you know, UV um, is just woken up. It's like a sleeping dragon's just finally come back to life. And and, and the inquiries that we've had in the last week have been. Um, like nothing we've seen before, the volumes, government-sponsored yeah, projects, and so on. What specifically are you guys doing in UV that you have the demand for? Uh, air and water purification. So our, our um, UV ballasts go into um, um, air conditioning systems and water uh, purification systems across all kinds of industry, um, many into healthcare, and healthcare is the one that's really starting to wake up. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of, of, of uh, recent inquiries in the last week of, of numbers that are um, we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so you we're, to... we're obviously looking at our UV product portfolio and, yeah. and, and figuring out, well, we, we've had a more predictive flatline de de uh, demand curve over the last year, two years, um, that looks like it's going to be an exponential growth line. So to wake that supply chain up like that is really difficult, you know, because we've got components often that are on three, four, five month lead times. We've got to prime the pump in manufacturing. So to turn that on overnight um, is, is certainly no small feat. Now you said you go to China six to eight times a year, you typically, or you have. When do you think the next time is that you'll go? I couldn't answer that right now. Um, yeah. I think it'll, it'll be months for sure. Um, 
it'll be months. And, and I think the biggest risk is, is uh, inbound flights into China right now. Uh, you know, we don't have anything in Hubei province um, as, as a, as a, uh, in terms of our own operations, but we do have some of our supply chain that comes out of Hubei province in terms of components and so on. But even Hubei province is now getting, you know, a little bit more back to normal um, as a, as a, you know, as a place to live and, and work and, and, and operate. Well, they, they, un, I think they unlocked Hubei today, but Wuhan is still on lockdown. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Correct. I think that's where it's at. Yeah. I really feel bad, for, awful for those people. I mean, that's a long time, man. And if people here in Canada are complaining about a lockdown, they haven't seen what a Chinese lockdown is like, bro. Right. It's a completely different situation. Um, where do you, like, in, in all of this, I sense behind it all and in your voice some trepidation, but also some optimism. Anthony, why do I sense that from you? I see you, I see you're seeing it as an opportunity or you're, look at that, the twinkles in the eye. I mean, you're seeing oh, something. my problem, man. You know, I, you know my, my wife tells me all of the time, um, you know, I'm the glass three quarters full guy. And, and she kind of tempers my optimism sometimes for very, very good reason and, 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 and says, bring it back to reality. But um, I think um, in answer to your question, I think I, I'm optimistic if, if, if we as a society um, respond appropriately to the directives that we're being given and we, and we do what we're asked to be doing, we don't do stupid things, we can contain this. Um, and some of the data that I saw yesterday, if, if we if we do self-confine and we're at home, um, you know, the ability to transmit the, the virus from, you know, one to 100 people will be massively limited to, I think it was 15. I looked at some data. It was on BBC News last night. Um, so rather than mass tran transmit of, the, of, of that, the, the avalanche effect and the exponential curve of it growing will absolutely slow down. So I think... Um, Fundamentally, I, I believe in that. If we do it as a society, if we do our, our piece as humans to protect one another, irrespective of business, um, we owe it to each other not to screw up the world, the planet. We, we're, we're all citizens of the world. Um, so I, I'm hoping that people will, will respond appropriately to that. Uh, and then secondly, um, you know, the, the, just the business climate, the fact that it's recovered so quickly in China, um, and he's, he's almost getting back to normal. I have a call with our sales team tomorrow night really to understand what it's like on the ground. What's demand like? What are our customers telling us? The fact that it is re rebounding and coming back um, also gives me a, a sense of optimism um, that we can recover and we can, and we can get back there. But, you know, you know make, make, make no doubt about it. I don't think everyone's going to make it. I don't think every company is going to make it through this um, you know, some may not have the cash flow to ride this thing out. Drastic respo uh, responses are probably going to be seen from um, many, many companies um, to try and make sure that the company is preserved and can can kind of be born out of the other side of this thing. I think some people ask themselves if it's worth it after all they've been through in the last <laughs> 10 years. You know, I think there's some companies that are just after the never mind COVID-19 that are just completely worn out and exhausted mm -hmm. by the last 10 years of constant change and new products, new products, new products. And and they're they're, you know, they're heavy and they're and they're tired. And this might just be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, Anthony. Uh, you're probably right. I think we'll probably see some of that. Um, and, yeah. And so we need some new leaders in the lighting industry. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I've liked, uh, you know, I liked a lot of the stuff you said today. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I feel much, you know, it's interesting. I was wondering what I was going to get from the conversation. And I, but the first person that popped into my head was to talk to you just simply because of, you know, because of what we talked about at the last convention uh, that we met, I think it was strategies in light. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, also, uh, I know, you, you know, you, you talked a lot about China then. And I thought, gosh, you know, we should talk to Anthony about this. So I really appreciate you being a guest on the Get a Grip Online podcast. You're welcome. Anytime. Oh, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. It's the National right. Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, man. That's what's bringing you all these special episodes. That's why we do this, because there are discussions we have. We need to figure it out. Get a grip on the out. industry. Get a grip, man. Thanks wow. for listening, folks. Check it out. Should be one coming out tomorrow again.